Hi, I'm Ben Goldstein. This is the Ben O'Clock News. It's great to be back on the airwaves with you, and I'm glad that you've joined me for another sleepy Sunday. Today, I'm going to be returning to a Slackwater channel. We're kicking off with the beginning of part two. Two. The car was gently sloping down, crossing back and forth in a zigzag across the mountainside. When they reached the bottom, they pulled over and the small man took a walk while the driver stood leaning with his back against the door, cigarette in hand, looking out across the trees and hills and sucking in the roadside, countryside air. Are you working then? In town? Ruddy Face was stumbling back to the road, pulling at his belt with one hand, rubbing his flat nose with the other. The driver didn't answer but swore quietly and threw his cigarette down and walked away. On the opposite side to the bumbling Red, who was still yanking at his belt and scratching his face. Hey! He crawled across to the sloping figure, disappearing into the trees. Where are you going? He looked nervously around at the car left on the roadside, then turned to check up and down, but they were alone and had barely passed half a dozen others since they were in the hills. Shrugging, he followed into the bushes, pushing aside the tall grass and swatting at the flies that buzzed lightly in the afternoon sun gauze. A root or branch caught him, and he went sprawling into the grass and dirt, swearing and brushing himself down, rubbing a knee. He caught up just in time to see the driver ducking under the concrete beam of something abandoned up ahead. Where are you going? He called again, but sort of in vain as the other disappeared into shadow. The underpass was from a disused road that had once been the main thoroughfare, but was replaced by the wider track that the two men had been following. On the outside, nothing remained of the dead street. The thick black had been pulled up and recycled on some other hillside. A perfect urban haven, the tunnel ran 20 or 30 feet underground with a low slope at either end. The smell of animals and their sweat hung faintly in the solid stone air, the pungent aroma of a forgotten place. Maybe dead things as well. The image of rotting birds and rats came into the tiny pea mind of the squat face-itcher who was rubbing his legs and forearm from the scratch of a briar. What is this? He stood a few paces from the entranceway, nervously shuffling his sturdy weight around in an anxious bounce. The driver shrugged, running one hand along the wall he was walking the length of the cool concrete room. Have you been here before? Again, the driver answered in mute, shaking his head still walking until he reached the far end of the corridor and stood blinking in the sunlight that struck in low under the overgrown roof. This kind of place creeps me out, actually, called the itching nose man, his voice echoing down, bouncing through the solid warren hole. Carefully stepping over brambles and falling branches, he worked his way to the cave's entrance, squinting to see into the shadows. The walls of the underpass were square-inch detailed in the various slogans and tags of whoever had passed by, with their bags of spray and paint. Huge block letters hastily scrawled and re-scrawled up over each other to map out the collage plan of the local youth who'd spend night after night in this hallowed urban oasis amongst the surrounding green. The new road had cut off their cloisters, and they came in their dozens to populate their dank remnants, to do whatever they did that barricaded their chamber from the sun. Then, one day, as it must have been, they all but decided never to come back, and the last known survivors of the concrete office grew out of their adolescent shoes and took their needles and powder to the bathrooms of restaurants and city-watching hotel rooms somewhere far away. The new population of two stood at either end of the aisle, one full of trepidation, the other muddled with the stirring sadness for a generation lost. 
Oh, Jesus, shit, Jesus. A profane reaction to the encroaching army of tiny six-legged things that were suddenly shifting perspective from the empty dead tree stump of a nearby lightning strike. The blunt tip of a branch stuck out from the bushes, an itchy squinty face tugged on it, and wielding the deadly shaft as a mace, smashed back against the natural world that sought to slink in at his gene cuffs and crawl down to bathe in the growing pools of sweat on his back. By the time he had backed out of his titanic struggle with the ant population of that particular hillside, the other man, the one with the dark brown hair and deep brown eyes, had turned back and was brow-furrowed watching the angry little display of the war on grass. Something in the ceiling corner caught his eye, and he watched with some curiosity as the thick-bodied, evil-looking creature delicately threaded its way home to find out what was causing such a commotion on Webstrand 4. The intruder was an unfortunate fly who sat scared and rightly confused at the world around it. Sucker for a buzz around, he had flipped his way stylishly in looping, spiraling, nonchalant flight path into a surprisingly sticky landing zone. Now the dance began, as the blind spinner, wounded in some previous millennia life, made a methodical journey from edge to edge, feeling its hairy caress along each and every strand in search for tiny bouncing supper. It was a dark waltz that sprang to mind born of the insidious inevitability with which the spider worked. The driver stood watching this uncouth technique unfurl. The fly from the sky sometimes humming, sometimes buzzing and fuzzing without much clamor, calling out, What's going on? Where am I? And why? To no avail. Gentle features turned to sweaty ones as the warrior against tree stumps finally caught up with proceedings and stood heavy breath and pant stick in hand nearby. What's that there? He babbled, roughly swinging his trusty thwacker in the direction of dinner for one. The driver looked from web to man and gently reached over and took the branch from his unsteady grasp. He lifted the stick towards the web center where Big Fat Black was still a little lost and Ace Pilot Fly was naturally still none the wiser to the impressively large death trap that was spindling around nearby. With one quick plunge, the man drove the weapon into the web catching the angry dinner guest on the branch's tip, and in the same deadly blow, crushing the eight legs flat against the concrete ceiling of the tunnel. Holy sh- The web folded, crumpling around the wooden shaft, and the fly tried a little angry buzz before finding itself wound right up with nowhere to go. Why did you- The branch fell with a thick, hollow sound that echoed in the empty hall. Without looking down, the taller man turned around and strode out with long, purposeful steps, from darkness into light. That is the end of part two, and we'll be back with part three next week, as long as the police don't catch up with me. That's all. You've been listening to the Ben O'Clock News, and I've been Ben Goldstein. Goodbye.